in uh, 1984, I was assigned as the Pontifical Mission Director. My office was stationed in Beirut, Lebanon. There were 14 Palestinian camps, and it was in the midst and of conflict and war. Uh, every day, people were being killed. There was the first time I met Mother Teresa, an absolutely magnificent little woman who was very dedicated, as we all know, to the poorest of the poor. She just didn't serve the poor, but it was such a radical uh, service. The first group that I met were her sisters. I remember when I finally did meet Mother and I said, you know, Mother, I, I don't know, I never met you before, but I met your daughters, and they are such a, a reflection of your spirit. There were seven of them, and they were in a section called Siddha Baushriya, which was in East Beirut, that was the Christian sector. Mother's foundation, it, from the beginning in India, when she had all her missionaries of charity, a lot of times people don't know this, but wherever they go all over the world, right now there's about 5,000 of them, and they, they, uh, their language that they speak wherever they go is English. Because in India, which recruits about 80% of their, of their sisters, they have large, a large group of women who are Indian missionaries, um, they have 200 languages in India. And they actually can't communicate with one another. And the common language they have is English. And when Mother established her community in 1950, the official language was English. So although most of the girls came from India, they all had to learn English as a common language. By this time, there were very few English-speaking priests in Lebanon, and so I would go each day and have Mass at their, at their convent in East Beirut along with uh, some other Jesuits who were from the northeastern province of the United States. So it was, a, it was a great mission for me, and I got to know Mother quite well. She would invite me after that to uh, Rome, and, and uh, I, I once went with her to Albania. <clears throat> Albania was the most communist country of all the communist country. And it was the last one, eventually, to give in to the perestroika. The communist regime was horrible there and very oppressive to the people. The first one, because she was a native of Albania, to be invited, they actually did kill her family, but never recriminated, never just very loving. She went back to her homeland. And I was with her, and as she, she was so known, although it was the most oppressive communist country, she was well known as one who had come from Albania. And I, I always remember the times we would go there. She had about seven missions that were established in Albania. And the... Uh, the, the sisters were received with such love and, and uh, welcome. Uh, 
And as she was establishing one mission after another in the country, I was with her. The people were tremendously oppressed and very, very poor. And one day, we were in one of their missions, and I was having a day of prayer for the sisters. And Mother rarely left uh, a day of prayer. This particular time, she kind of went out from the chapel, and she discovered that there was a whole room full of food. And she called the superior out. She said, what's this food doing here? She began to reprimand the superior, because the rule in every one of Mother's convent is, every bit of food that you have, you give away that day to the poor. You don't kind of parcel it out, but whatever food you have, you give. So the superior who knew what Mother's rule was uh, began to make excuses. She said, Mother, these poor are not the poorest of the poor. They are absolutely, just tremendously, uh, they, they have nothing. And she said, then what's this food doing here? She got all the sisters out of the chapel, which was unlike her. And all of the boxes of food and all the canned, whatever was there, they put out. And word went around very quickly. And soon there was this huge line of people. And they began to put out the food and distribute it. And until everything was gone, they didn't stop. And whatever food they had, they gave to the poor that day. The next morning, the convent was, there they were, they, all the sisters, and I'm having Mass in the morning. And I couldn't believe it. I really, I was, the joy in my heart. This huge UN truck was backing up. It was a huge thing with uh, tons of food backing up to the dock where this convent was, unloading tons and tons of food the next day. Mother believed in divine providence. Mother also believed every day God will take care of us if we take care of the poor. It was such a, a magnificent experience to be with her. But every day she lived like that. It was, it was the way she lived. God will take care of us. We must, and that's the rule, depend on God every single day. One day, there was Daniel Ortega, who was a communist in Nicaragua. And there was a, an earthquake in Managua. And she had gone there with some of her sisters. And this is quite a story. It, the, <clears throat> every communist country that she ever went to, the communist lover, Cuba, Fidel Castro, Marion in Ethiopia, and Daniel Ortega, was there. And when Mother came, it was, of course, a prize opportunity for him because here's Mother Teresa, and there, there's the microphones, 
There's the television sets, and they're there to see Mother Teresa. And this is the time for Daniel Ortega to make his statement. And he goes on and on and on about President Reagan. He is a neo-colonialist. He's an oppressor of the poor. President Reagan. And then he goes on. He takes advantage of us. He takes all our... And the, and they go, he goes on and on and on about. So he must have harangued and was spouting the communist cause about, because he was a Sandinista, and that's the government that was in charge at the time of the earthquake. So Mother's there, kind of patiently listening to him. And finally, she gets up to the microphone to say a few words. And <laughs> she says, President Reagan really needs prayers, doesn't he? You bet your mother, he really needs prayers. And then she said, and so do you. She said, I was talking to your wife, and you're a Catholic. Well, he was, he was, he was a Catholic, is a baptized Catholic. And he said, yes, mother, I am. She said, but you don't have your children baptized. I want to be their godmother. I'll be their madrina. Now in South America, that's a big thing. I'll be their godmother. And your wife told me you haven't had them baptized. Let's do it right now. Because if you can't run your family, you can't run the country. Wow. Just like a direct thing. She went right. And that was the end of she and Daniel Ortega and many other communists. I know Fidel Castro really loved Mother Teresa. And I know many of the communists did. She had such a, a direct manner about her. It wasn't that she, she didn't want to just put him down. She wanted to, to help him. You know, a lot of people hear about, you know, she had this great love, pro-life. She was really strong on wanting to bring uh, adoption as, as a, in, in, in preference to abortion and what a horrible evil abortion was. And she was invited to the prayer breakfast by our, our president, Clinton. Hillary and President Clinton were at this, at this prayer breakfast, and she gave one of the strongest, most powerful messages against abortion that has ever been given right directly there at the prayer breakfast in Washington. Everybody gave her a standing ovation, except the Clintons and the Gores, the president and his wife, and the vice president and his wife, just sat there, kind of really feeling the, the power of the evil that was being done by abortion. Right after that, a lot of people talk about that, but what they don't know is Mother Teresa went over to Hillary Clinton, and she said to her, I need your help. I want to open up a home in Washington with your help where girls who are pregnant can come and have their babies and offer them for adoption. And Hillary Clinton helped Mother Teresa open a home in the Washington section of Georgetown for pregnant girls. 
she eventually got her to do that. What a beautiful story that was. Now, she didn't condemn Hillary. She condemned abortion. She didn't condemn uh, President Clinton, who was uh, pro-choice. She condemned abortion. There's a, they, they, she wanted to have a, a, a home in the Vatican. I was given a retreat in a, their home in uh, Via Casalina, and it was, it's in Rome. And she would go back and forth to see, she and Pope John Paul were great friends. And she always wanted to have a home in the Vatican for the poorest of the poor. And the, <clears throat> the one who was in charge of the lands, the Vatican territory, was not going to give her the property. And she knew that. So she, was, she went down, and the only one available was this archbishop, and she knew he would never give her that. She waited till she got a, a conference in a connection with Pope John Paul. And uh, everyone was waiting. The, she met the archbishop. She came back. And finally she got a meeting with John Paul to get this piece of property that she was just longing for. They were driving down to the, the uh, papal uh, palace there in, in uh, the Vatican. And they're coming down the street leading to the Vatican. And there on the road was a man dying. He was just laying out in the street. She had the sisters stop the car. She got out, and there she was, rubbing his face, holding his hand, praying with him, talking to him. And the man was talking to her, knowing who she was, Mother Teresa. And she was praying with him. And, and as he was dying, and the sisters finally said to her, Mother, you're going to be late for the Pope. She said, you go ahead and take my appointment with the Holy Father. Tell him I'm with Jesus. She saw Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poorest of the poor. And she missed the appointment with the Pope. But she knew where Jesus was for her that day. I'll always remember that as something that uh, touched me very deeply. I used to, I, when I would give her her retreats, um, when I think of the humility of Mother Teresa, she used to pound her little chest. She was just less than five foot tall, and she was just a little lady. And she would pound her little chest and say, look what God is doing with nothing. Look what God is doing with nothing. She realized, and it was really true, that that's what she was. And I'd say, Mother, well, how can I pray for you? She would say, pray, I stay out of God's way. She realized that there was nothing that she was doing, and everything was God's doing through her. 
she realized that every single thing she did was God doing it through her. Because I saw her, I gave her her last retreat about three months before she died. And I said to her, Mother, what do you want me to pray for for your future? And she, her eyes were burning with love for Christ. And she said, I want to go to China. I want to bring Jesus to China. She had about 60 or 70 sisters that spoke Chinese, and China was still closed to missionary effort. She wanted to go to China. But when she was dying, the sisters said they heard her prayer. And she was saying to Jesus, I never refused you anything. I never refused you anything. That light that Mother Teresa was for us was a, a marvelous light. And what she would always say to us, to you, is bloom where you're planted. Yes, she would say, because she was known as a saint in her own time, but she would always say, so are you. You're a saint. Each of you has that same power. You have Jesus in you. You be Christ. We're all called to be Jesus.